What's going on, good people? Welcome to the newest episode of the Porvera podcast. This next guest, I got to be honest with y'all, like she loathes doing any type of press, interviews, anything. Um, so I begged her to do it and, and a true testament to our friendship and the type of person she is, you know, she did it for me as a favor. I want to welcome Farrah Left, Chief Operating Officer of the Clutch Group, right? Clutch Sports Group. Correct. Yes. That is, that is awesome. I want to, we'll, we'll get into some of the amazing things you and, and Rich and, and, and the team and the crew over at Clutch are doing, but I want to kind of take a, a step back to the beginning of uh, how Farrah left started in her career, right? And, and, and before we go into that, it's like you and I have talked about this. I've always thought it was, to be honest with you, kind of funny, you know, seeing when you post pics or, or you know, guys, you know, players post pics with you some of the comments you get, right, that are like, oh, she must be sleeping with them or she must be this or that. And I'm like, man, if they only knew how long she's grinded, like, in her career to even remotely get to, like, forget what she does now, like, how much she's done to get to this phase. And I always feel like you and I have that in common, like, um, you know, people like in my DMs or whatever and being like, oh, you know, I wish, I wish LeBron was my friend. I could do this too. And I'm like, I met LeBron when I was like, at Nike basketball six years already. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so I want to take, I say all that to say, I want to take a step back. Um, you know, where'd you go to school, Farah, and what you go to school for? Well, I started in high school. I was a high school athlete. I proudly say I had 12 varsity letters, Talk which ironically down. four were for managing the boys varsity basketball team, which I take pride in. Cause you know, in high school, if you like mess up the book, there's a technical foul. So I would yeah. always like be checking. I'm like, oh, that's the wrong jersey number. That's <laughs> the wrong amount of fouls. Like point, point, shoot. So like I, I averaged like a good two to seven points a game as the manager. So those are strong four letters. The others were in softball and field hockey. But I was one of those people that like, I didn't really know where I wanted to go to school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I really had no path. And looking back, I'm like, I wish I saw a college counselor, like I just picked the biggest school because I went to a small private school as far away as possible. So I went to mm. University of Arizona my freshman year. And one thing to say that it, I graduated the year of September 11th. And I think a lot of East oh, wow. Coast people didn't really leave home, but I was just someone who was a homebody and knew that if I came to a school close to my home, I would be at home so much. So I'm like, I'm going as far and as big as the school as I can get. And I will say I had a really fun freshman year of college, <laughs> but I did call my parents and was like, I don't see like what my future or how I'm going to decide what I want as the future being at this school. I just felt like I didn't have direction. I felt that I missed home and that it was really all West Coast kids and I didn't really connect in classes. We would be in class with 2000 people and I was used to being in a classroom with 12. My graduating class was like 90 students. Wow. Um, so midway, I like called my parents. I was like, I don't know what I should do. Like, do I transfer? And then after a few conversations, they're like, why don't we look at schools on the East Coast? I was like, sure, but I really do like the sun. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to like Syracuse and wearing jackets to class. So my friend had gone to University of Miami. And this, I never even thought of University of Miami when I was in high school. Transferred, went to transfer there my sophomore year, graduated from there. An amazing school. I wish I knew about it my freshman year, but I'm glad I experienced both because I had like that big school and this, I mean, people don't realize, but Miami is a smaller private school. Um, so I got to experience both and somehow graduated with two. Um, most people would say I went to two major party schools, but I think I turned out all right. And I enjoyed myself. So let me ask you, Farah, you're one of the, and I say this in front of you, I say this to anyone, whenever your name comes up, you're one of the most like, uh, you know, you're one of the most notorious like planners I know. Like you're meticulous when it comes to just planning and strategizing, whether that's for your clients, you know, business partners, brand partners. You know, did you have that early on, or at least even at any point in college as you started thinking about what you wanted to do next? I think I grew up, my parents both worked full-time jobs. My mom was a CFO, my dad a CEO. And I think just being around them and seeing them always scheduled, I realized how hard working was and that we didn't have a traditional household where I didn't have family dinners or sometimes my mom worked late sometimes my dad worked late someone had to pick me up from practice and I think just seeing how much work it took them to be successful and in their work I always just noticed little things and scheduling and planning and trying to fit as many hours in a day 
I've always, I don't, I always say, I don't think I ever in my life had hit snooze. Like my mom would say, you have to be up for school if she wasn't home. And I, I would wake up, get dressed. Like to this day, I wake up at six o'clock, maybe five thirty in the morning naturally. Like I'm just someone who's like, how many hours can I fit in the day and make them worth it? Mm. So you graduate somehow, you graduate from University of Miami, right? You stay up and show up to enough classes. Um, now what? Like now, do we know what we want to do? Are we, are we, do we know what field we want to be in? What's the plan now? Well, while I was in college, my dad, well, the funny thing is when I went to University of Miami, I wanted to be an entrepreneurship major. And my dad was like, he didn't understand what that major was. He's like, <laughs> you need money to be an entrepreneur. Where are you getting money? Like, how can that be a major? I don't understand it. And he's like, if I'm paying for the school, you have business school, marketing and finance. If not, like you're going to figure out how you're going to pay for school and you'll be great. So by, like, the way, okay, that's well, total, by the way, that's total dad. Like, what yeah. do you mean? You can't make money doing that. Like, yeah, yeah totally. so it narrowed down my options. And then he also was really strict about my summers and that I had to be productive. So internships were a really big thing and something I pride myself on and hopeful future success of interns. I interned at a company called Marquee Jet when I was 19 years old, my sophomore year of college. And it was I think they were a year in, they, they were a private aviation company. They had just been on like, I think the apprentice of a TV show and they were kind of skyrocketing in that they were a new model of business for private, flying private. And I luckily enough had someone who knew someone and got this interview to be an intern for one of the founders of the company. And I had the best internship. It was like, so hands-on, I met so many people. And then one of the people I met while I was interning, there was like a, I think, I can't remember if it was a mechanical in the, an issue with the plane or if I was just meeting them. But they're like, you have to go meet this plane. They just need a, a refuel, bring them some snacks. And it happens to be Randy Mims, Maverick Carter, LeBron James. <laughs> and the irony is I'm the same age as them. I think they think I'm someone's like daughter who's like greeting them or asking for an autograph. I, at the time, like, I think I remember knowing that, it was like a, that he was LeBron James, but I didn't mm -hmm. register it as you're greeting LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And from there, they, I just kind of, we all exchanged emails and then we checked in and they were just always like really nice. And I kept a relationship with them. And then it would happen that I would go back to school and I would get a text like, so-and-so needs a plane. Can you help? And I'm like, I don't even work at this company, but <laughs> sure, I can help navigate it. So then I was like, well, maybe I should work for this company. So then I started interning full time and going, and I was in, my, in school in Miami. I will credit that I also waitress, which I think is a really big deal in my career and just service generally. So I would go to school, I waitress three days a week, and then I would work at um, one of the Miami salesmen's office like two to three days a week. And just met so many people. I graduated knowing I wanted to work there, but not knowing what I wanted to do, but knowing that like, I didn't have to define a job that I knew I was good at talking to people, following up on things and just creating relationships that I could manage. And it was not only athletes, I met finance actor. It was literally everyone who was flying private at the time. I just was able to make a network and keep that all through college to graduating. I worked there for, I think, six or seven years. I feel like all years kind of come yeah. together. And the endless, like the lessons to learn, I think, were absolutely endless. I worked with some of the most amazing people, some still mentors in my life today. And just the knowledge of the things I learned. And I was, my role was executive assistant to the co-founder, which was Jesse Itzler, who's Jesse, unbelievable yeah. in many ways and has, is just, just a unique individual that I got to learn so much from. And I always, and to this day, like I said, if I, if, if we were still working at Marky Jet, I could see myself still being the executive assistant to him because I just loved being that gatekeeper. I loved the power of information. I loved meeting people. And that's the role that I think I still have almost the same role today. It just has bigger descriptions and more people demanding things of me. <laughs> one of the things, one of the things I find like super interesting about your story is you know, there are a lot of, you know, kids that graduate college and feel like, well, no, I, you know, I already interned. I already did four years of school. This is the job I want. This is the money I need to make. You know, you were okay saying, hey, I know I have a degree. I know I'm really smart. I know I have my shit together. I'm going to take an, an EA job and I'm going to do that for a couple of years while you're doing it. Talk about like the invaluable experience of that, of like not thinking you're above a certain role or above a certain job. 
Yeah, I will also say that I think in this industry specifically, it's like this direct path to wanting to be an agent or an executive and everything in my path, and I always say nothing but direct. I did not have the goals of working at an agency. Nothing led to this directly. And I think those experiences led to my success is that it wasn't like, I want to be an agent. This is my steps. This I'm going to do it. It was all in meeting people. Being an assistant, an executive assistant in any level and absorbing information from the best of that company, there's nothing more valuable than that. Seeing things that just seeing the way that someone works, seeing how you would change it and just the people you would meet. I also love this part of it is the biggest lesson I learned. And I would say one of my tent poles to my career is a simple message of like the power of being nice and being mm -hmm. in a role where some people don't always respect it or as nice or try to overstep you or something and learning how people react to people is such an amazing thing to see. So now in my career, the people who, I had people who were like, didn't even make eye contact, wouldn't even talk to me or some way because I was assistant or somehow beneath them. I'm like, now it's like, I see the roles reversed and it means nothing in the state of the world. And I always say like, when someone's like, oh, but do you know who that is? I'm like, it's a person, like say hi, right. Right. greet them, say hello. It doesn't matter who they are. And the doorman should be as respected as the person living in the building. And I think one of the things like in my job, when I show up to a set with a client, it's like, you're saying hello to the person who got you your drink, to the director, to everyone, just the power of nice and never knowing where the person you speak to today is going to be tomorrow. And I say that like, just being able to see all that for sure is part of how I made it to where I am today. Love it. So you go from Marquee Jet, how does the, obviously the relationship evolves and you know, when you guys are in contact and, and, and working contact, how do you go from Marquee to Clutch? How's that happen? So in the middle, we started, um, Jesse Itzler started a, like, a brand incubator where we kind of created some products, invested in products and partnered with investors and athletes. And we worked on a few more projects with LeBron and I would always kind of see Rich, Maverick and Randy on those sets. I would say I would see Maverick a lot more in the office and he would see me work and we would talk all the time. And then we would do different events and I would see Richmore. And then obviously I had a relationship with Randy as he was the coordinator for so much and just respected his role so much and watching him and how he worked and learning a lot from him specifically and just the capabilities of what goes behind the machines that we all see in front. And the famous story that I've told, I think once, so this is the only time on record, <laughs> I got a BBM back in our Blackberry days from Rich that said, what did you major in in college? And it was completely random. There wasn't a hello. There was nothing before. And I'm like, hmm. I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what did I major in college? It's so far behind. <laughs> I was like, um, I went to business school and marketing. He's like, okay, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And then the next day there was an announcement that he was leaving his previous agency and wanting to start an agency calls me and he's like, I think we can do this together. What do you think? He's like, I need an LLC, a logo, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, let me figure out. I was just, and it was, the timing was perfect as Jesse was then moving to Atlanta and starting some businesses there. I wasn't ready to move and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I just knew I was good at businesses, starting them and kind of didn't know, I probably didn't know much about basketball at the time and just thought I could do it. And you know, it was a restart in my career. I didn't, we didn't have any money, so I didn't get paid much, but I just had this trust in Rich that he wanted to do something different. And I had been doing things different since the start of my career. So I was like, okay, if this is something breaking the norms, I'm in. And then, and I said, I'm in, but I'm not moving to Cleveland because <laughs> he was in Cleveland <laughs> at the time. Um, and then three years later, I moved to Cleveland, but it was in like the craziest start of, him and I sitting there, we always like, he was like, okay. I'm like, all right, so you're CEO. What am I? He's like, COO. I'm like, okay, perfect. We had four clients. And I remember that was September. So then that season happened, like we're just still like picking up everything going. And then we had to go to, I had to go to China with Eric Bledsoe that summer. I had never met him before. It was going to be our Nike trip. And I'm on a plane and Eric's not known for being the most vocal person in the world. <laughs> and it was, it was me, Eric, and one of the reps from Nike, Steli. And we had to like, I was just, everything was new, but it was so fun to like figure it out and actually not have a process. 
that I think today that's what we're best known for is that we don't have to follow a process or a blueprint from someone else that we're just going to create our own and do what's best for the client. And, and, and everyone knows now like clutch sports group is like this been, you know, hugely wildly successful, you know, best sports agency in the world. Um, so everyone can wrap their brains around what that is today. Can you give us a, a glimpse into like what clutch day one, day 100 was like at the beginning with you guys? I mean, you said you had four clients, like what, what was I that mean, experience like day to day? It was so crazy. I actually had, um, right before I clutch started, I think it was the lockout was before, like right before. And that's when I had started talking to Tristan had, we had done like my brand, I was working at sponsored the games and Tristan had played in one of those charity games. And so I know Tristan a little bit, but then like just, we had Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, Eric Bledsoe and LeBron were like the original four that started with clutch and just kind of like figuring out what they needed was just every day. Like Rich would call this person. Okay, we do this. All right. I'm going to be here. You're going to go there. We'll do this. And all right we were working out of Rich's house and I would fly to Cleveland. And then I remember he had a photo shoot when we were like announcing clutch. And um, I took a Uber from, or I probably a taxi cab time from the airport to Cleveland for the first time. And we're driving through his neighborhoods and everything. And I take the taxi and I'm like going around Cleveland with him. I have no idea. Like seeing from his start, I get to learn so much about him. And it's just like, the funny, like, we're just like, okay, this is a company we're, we're started like, all right, now it's in a magazine. We really have to like get everything going and we got office and employees. And that was, so 2012 was four clients and two employees. And today we're 61 clients in three sports with 20 employees, which is just, I, I can't believe it, let alone that every day I'm still like, how are we growing? How are, what are we doing next? <laughs> Um, I, it's, there's not a week goes that goes by that someone doesn't ask me, like, what's it like working with Rich? What's, you know, what's Rich Paul really like? What's he, you know, like the man wasn't on social till recently, which I'm sure you had a big, big <laughs> yeah. role in making that happen. Um, you know, what's it like working with Rich on a day to day? Like what are some of the things I know you respect him more than anyone in the world. And you're probably the most, not probably, you are definitely the most qualified person to answer that question. Yeah. Of what is it like to work with Rich Paul? The first thing is obviously unbelievable. I mean, I get to learn endlessly. I can't even like every topic I learn from him and everything we do is opposite. Like I, my brain thinks one way, his brain is the opposite. And we'll sometimes be like, oh yes, thinking we have the same idea, completely opposite. Just in cultural differences, how we grew up, I mean, it's just like, even sometimes I'll like show up into a meeting and I'll be like in a business suit and I'll have my heels on and jewelry, my hair bun, and he'll be in like sneakers and the t-shirt. And he's like, no, this, I'm like, I wish someone told me that before. Like I, we just, there's nothing similar, but I think that's the success is being opposite. I mean, one of our funniest jokes that everyone knows is just the learning curve of Rich and our funniest story is that we were in Cleveland and it was a really cold day and the Cavs <laughs> were at a game and he goes, get your jacket, the Hawks out. And I'm like, I thought they're playing the Bucks. And he just loses it. And for hours, I still didn't know why. And he repeated it to like every one of his friends. And I still didn't know why he's laughing. And he's like, the Hawk means it's cold. I was like, that is no way a term that everyone in the world knows. So that actually is like the perfect description of our relationship because sometimes like I know he's right and I know everything he's saying makes sense. It just doesn't process the same way to me. It's totally interesting. Like, you know, we've talked about this, you know, you, your relationship with Rich reminds me of my relationship with Chelsea in a lot of ways who works with me, obviously, and has been with me five years, going on six years. There was a time we were in the robot office in New York and she, she was writing like a scope of work or something. And I made a comment and I said, man, you're still working on a scope of work? And she goes, if it's so easy, why don't you do it? And we didn't, that's how we talk every day. And we didn't realize we had a client there and, he, and we see him, he goes, how long have you guys worked together? Like, it was just a different thing. You could just tell it's like, you're finishing yeah. each other's and that's your shorthand, right? I think that's how you and Rich are, where it's like, you know, you guys, and that's why it's always funny to me when people think you're like his assistant or you have some small role. I'm like, no, no, no. Like when you see Farrah, that's like seeing Rich, like, like that's the trust that Rich has in you, that's the trust we have in you. So it's just been funny to see your role and how your relationship has evolved there. Like, 
Yeah. And I'll say this also about that. And I think there's like obviously stigmas and stereotypes in sports. Like if I'm all, if I'm next to a client, I'm usually assumed to be their assistant or their publicist or things like that. But actually I've never been offended by it because it mm. takes all those roles to be the role I am. And I've never like, I think this is my first like public conversation is, and I've never asked for or wanted it because my credits are things said about rich are things said about their clients. And if someone thinks I'm their assistant, that's their thing to learn, but I don't feel any way lessened or any insult from it because I'm still proud to be standing there and I know the work I've done. Um, so it's usually assumed that and sometimes we'll come up and apologize, but it, honestly, it does not affect me as when I think people think and they feel the need to apologize, but super proud just to be in that conversation in the room and I know what I do and the people who need to know know, so I've never felt any other way. Totally. And let me ask, I mean, and you know this, uh, there's not a week, literally not a week that goes by that someone doesn't reach out and saying, hey, I want to work at Clutch. Hey, can you send my resume? Hey, I want to be an, hey, I want to be an agent. Hey, all these things. I know basketball people, you know, and if I get one a week, I can't imagine what you get. Um, you talked about your, your path. And when you look at all of us, I mean, you go, me, you, Mav, Rich, Randy, you know, no one's path was linear. Right. Everyone just was great at what they were great at worked, did things differently, you know, took different paths to get back to this path and whatnot. What advice can you give, you know, to the young lady, the young man that is trying to get like into the industry, wants to work at a clutch? Like what do you maybe better, maybe, maybe a better stated question is, what are you looking for in like potential candidates? Like, let's forget about what the role is. Just what do you look for as a COO in clutch? Well, a few things. I, I always say this, and I, I learned this early on in my career, and I feel like sometimes I perceive to be young or new to this, but it's been a long road to get here. Many jobs, many, many failures, steps forward, steps back. And someone once told me, and I was like always eager to ask, like, where's my next step? What am I going to be? Where am I growing? What's this point? And they said, I always remember triple T. And I always remember it. Things take time. Nothing is going to happen tomorrow. And even if the aspirations to be an agent it's not overnight. It's not finding one basketball player or one football player. It's, it's really a path. And to know that coming in, then getting the interview. I mean, I think we get dozens of email a day. And to be honest, I actually do read all them because I'm always interested and there's nothing more than we want to hire good people. So I do read the emails. I mean, the amount of spelling errors. And when people say they're going to work for free, I'm like, if you're good at your job, you should be paid. Don't tell me you're going to work for free. Like I, I, people, I don't know why people say that. Like they don't mean it. No one wants to work for free. First of all, I'm not, I don't even think it's legal. I don't think we can hire <laughs> Right, it's not. But like, don't open the email. And I also think that people think they would be successful because they love sports. Mm. Your love for sports has nothing to do with being successful in sports. And I also say people are always like, I want to work in sports. Sports is a huge category. You could be a real estate agent and work in sports. You could be a financial person at work in sports. You could work at a foundation and be in sports. So I think people should really spend more time on what their passion is, not what the end goal is. And I always say this, no one listens to me because I'll interview people and they'll never listen. The role of something in service to have done something on your resume. I'd rather see that someone worked at a gas station or restaurant, a store, than four different agencies or a team to a team to an agency because those roles are all the same. You're not growing from those experiences, but doing something that's different, that you're going to bring some value to clutch or to other company that is not on, on the norm of every other person that's applying for their job, I think is super important. And just the, I always say, I usually, I think I only ask like three questions. Chelsea and I always joke about our interviewing, but just the idea of your lifestyle and what you want to accomplish. And I always ask people like, give me a story of service which some, I would say, less than 50% have an actual story of doing something. And what is your day? Because to work in these industries, how you function as a person is so important. Like getting your own time in, being available. It's, I hate to say that there's sacrifices because I, I'm happy to do it, but it's not a normal career choice. <laughs> I want to... I want to talk about your specific role at Clutch because since I've known you, um, no matter how big you've gotten, how big the agency's gotten, 
you know, how many athletes, you know, UTA, all these things, you're literally the same person, but maybe equally as important with the same work ethic. You know, there is no job to, like I mentioned earlier, Rich trusts you with everything. That means talking to a CEO at a company, closing a big deal on your own. Um, you know, so you're equally comfortable in those spaces as you are doing still assistant work to this day, right? Like I've seen you jump in a car and drive to pick someone up. I've seen you, hey, this room isn't what it needs to be. This green room, let me do this. Let me take this. Let me go get the coffee. You know, like I want to, because I, I think sometimes young people have like this glorified vision of what it is to be an executive. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what your role entails like to this day? Yeah, my role has obviously changed i when it was two people rich and i did everything was the point of contact for everything now in my role as a ceo i'm really in charge of the i always say the people always ask what do you do and it's not one sentence but i really am in charge of the business and operations of our agency we went in the last three months to triple in size we have three sports wow. and developing best practices for our employees for our clients being the line of help to any employee and just creating actual structure is one of the hardest jobs for anybody who has this role in any company. So I'm still learning and growing as we're growing, but I also say that I'm available as a CEO to any client. So like if someone I'm available for any question for any client from any client's family members, and that, I mean, ranges, I have million things so I've, that's been, I've been with you i've been with you when you get some yeah. of those phone calls <laughs> but i you know i was trying to ahead of this put something into words of kind of my role and i was with darius garland when he was being drafted into nba and the day before we did first take and stephen a smith said to him what are you gonna do when you're a millionaire tomorrow and like i had never heard it so bluntly put that way and I'm thinking, I was like, yeah, that's tomorrow. Like there's not many roles in this world or jobs where like tomorrow, you know, you're going to be a millionaire and go from not having a job, never having a paycheck. Yeah. So the things that take from there to there are just endless and the teams to develop clients are so different. So I think what Rich and I really do well is that we match the right people with the right client and the client extends from the player to their family to whomever they deem family and really growing them as humans like I my joke and everything I will do nothing that will help you play basketball football or baseball I promise you I will never call you with a tip I will never say you should have done that in this play I barely understand what's going on at this point in sports and I'm still learning and I fully admit that but I will help you in any other sense of the word from the littlest call to what to order at the first time going to Nobu to what should I tell my financial planner and where should I go on vacation to the actual structure of deals and how to form your own teams. And it's endless amount of things, but I think it's so important that we focus on that because it's the base of them is actually developing them as people. And they don't, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. I gotta say, I honestly, one of the things I've always, you know, respected about you, um, one of the many things I've always respected about you is, you know, you referenced this earlier in People where you say, you know, you treat the doorman just as much, just as well as you do the person that lives in the building or in the penthouse. I'm willing to bet people don't realize how that's at the core of your values and how you treat like your players. You treat LeBron James the same way you treat a 17-year-old kid named Darius Baisley who's sitting out a year who who knows if he'll be an all-star, if he'll make the league. Where's that come from? And not only not only do you do that, I've seen it's a it's a real focus for you. I've seen you always make sure whether that means, hey, PR, you know, I need this, but I need 12 of them because I got to take care of everyone. Or hey, Drake, you know, when I need 24, <laughs> I need 54 <laughs> passes future. Oh, it's a VIP, I need 62. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, like, there's only 40, but I need 62. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can you help me figure it out? Like, I've always so much respected that. Like, where's that come from where it's like you? And I don't even know if your players realize it, to be honest with you, like how that's at the core of how you work with and for your players. I think the biggest compliment I get from clients and employees is like, how do you do this? You have so many and they feel like they're the only one. And so I always want that to be the goal that it's never like your second or there's something else going on time management is obviously huge but i will say rich in that process when we first started 
obviously we've all been grateful to be around LeBron for so long, but it's also a curse because he is a unicorn and everything he does is so perfectionist. Like I'm terrified when to have dinner with him and he says eight o'clock and it's seven 58 and I'm not there. Cause I know he's there at seven 57 and then I'm a minute late, even though the reservation's not until eight. So all these things that I had seen from him being one of the first athletes I worked with, I just assumed was the norm and everybody mm. was like this. If LeBron James is like this, then everyone must be like this. But then learning that no one is going to be like this, but knowing what the best looks like and how to help clients in the smallest things like being late is one of it's there's no pet peeve bigger of mine than someone being late because there is no reason to be late when you have something going on a call a meeting and those lessons and teaching those and treating everyone like an equal if he can do this everyone can do this and just knowing that there's really no difference in the business structure of our client every client is equal opportunity has them means the same thing as everyone else and knowing that it's all important. And I always stress that to our team. It's that everything's important. Like I care when a client's waiting online to get into a restaurant that I know he should have the corner table in. I care no matter what client that is. I care if a mom flight, you know, we didn't have a car. If the car wasn't on time when the mom's flight lands go straight to the game. And I think those little details of caring for everything the same for every person and every detail is what create success overall and making it equal that no person in the client's world, in the client's life is more important or less important. Got it. And, and then, noting to that, there's one thing to note about equal things, uh -oh. will call and tickets and things like that. That's the hardest <laughs> part of any job. So you can't control it. And the, the ticket requests and concerts and oh my gosh. And thank you future for always supporting us. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. What, what's the downside to the gig? Like, like looking outside in, it's like, you have an amazing job. You work with the best athletes in the world. You learn so much. You have like all this opportunity. What's, what are negatives? I mean, and obviously nothing's perfect. Like what are just negative day to day for your role? I mean, my role, I mean, the obvious negative is that one would say I don't have the, the strongest personal life. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that I have, I have personally made it that clients and my job have come first. My family's super important to me and they super respect my role and what I do, but there is, you know, clients come first. I remember we had a client when we were early on, I think it was just Rich and I, and we had a client that had to go to Manila for an appearance, but it was a Jewish holiday that I was coming back for. I went to Manila for 12 hours. So I flew, I think 22 hours to be at an appearance in Manila for 12 hours. Flying back, that ruined me for like two weeks on the time. Yeah. But it was important to me to be there because I knew it would be important to the client. And then I do want also to be with my family. So those type of things are, you know, those sacrifices that I don't, like I said, I don't think they're sacrifices because I'm doing them out of choice. I would say that, I mean, especially in these times, I'm sitting on a computer in my own apartment from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. just I don't think, I think that's probably the biggest surprise in my role is that like Rich is not an office person, although he's growing to be one. So thank you to him for that. But I can sit at a desk in a computer for 12 hours and be happy and get things done. And it's actually the stuff that brings me out of the office that complicates my days, like meetings <laughs> and things like that. So just, you know, just knowing those things. And I think my, I love that I have grown to have amazing friends that understand that and respect them. I've met so many people through this, but I would say the time, the, the, the commitment and the full commitment that it takes is probably one of the downfalls. I used to say going to as many sporting events as I have to is a downfall, but now I'll take that back and I would love to go to a sporting event tomorrow. So yeah, I real. won't say that, but it's, it's grueling. I think people see like someone sitting courtside and say, wow, I want to be that. But on the other side, I probably spend more hours in a garage than any human being on the planet since I wait for the clients after the game. Some of our clients take an insane amount of time to come out of the locker room, not mentioning names. But I, I'm, you know, you sit there, you get to a game at six o'clock. I don't get home till one o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so I think those things that people see as glamorous are not on the other side. And you get to see the social media and the photo, but the time behind it is definitely not as glorious. Totally, totally. Um, before I get you out of here, um, you know, we talked about your journey. Uh, we talked about clutch in the early days. 
obviously it's public knowledge of the partnership with UTA and you know you yourself said how you guys have doubled in size and now you're into other sports it's not just basketball um what's clutch like today it's obviously a little different or maybe a lot different from when it was just you and rich and four clients like what's what's clutch evolved to i mean today i think that what i get so excited about is the culture that we have in the company that we all want to be together like they did surveys of people who want to go back to work 100 percent of our employees want to come back to our office like we are we work so hard that i just love that we all like to work together and the team that we're growing and i just actually had an interview the other day that at this point i really don't hire people by position i just hire based on like oh they they know what they're doing i know they could do something we're going to figure out what they're going to do because that's what our we're not here to hire exact positions that other groups have we're still trying to be unique and do things differently and the excitement of people who want to work at clutch and what they can offer and hearing what ideas they have on the sports side i mean i love when i we were i was in new york once and darius basley and jeff akuda was there and we all had dinner together and just getting them to be friends and meet each other with me being the common denominator but just knowing that there's not that many I always say like athletes in general, yes, they have millions of followers, but their networks are usually small. There's not many people that a 19 year old in the NBA have equally rather than other people. So right. the, the relationships that we're able to make within the sports is um, amazing. And I'm super excited for that to grow. I'm really excited about baseball to grow. That's also my dad does not watch many sports, but baseball is his thing. So now he's like finally proud of me and You've made it. You have baseball. You, you finally made it. You know. Yeah. You, hey, you've made it. We have that baseball. That transfer to University of Miami worked out finally. You made yeah, it. Yeah. It was like a closing game in the playoffs the other day, and there was a Yankee game, and he made no mention of anything basketball. But he's like, the the base baseball's on. Um. So I just am excited for that, and the partnership with UTA is just, I mean, so unbelievable to learn and have the support of like, you want to start a podcast, you want to have a movie you want a book like just to be able to say like here's go meet this is the best of best and their clients to interact with ours as well like we have an amazing all-star where we have the connectivity of music and sports and movies and i just find that like again rich always says it's like just because we're a sports agency doesn't box us to just representing athletes as athletes like there's so many more things they want to do we want to do with everything going on in the world how we can empower them as people and like just do everything we can. And it's not just about a contract of the NBA, NFL, or MLB. So two things before I let you go, two final questions or thoughts. Um, one of the things you and I get most excited about, some people would think it's like a basketball game or a championship. And, and yeah, we get excited about those things as it relates to like our friends or clients or partners, you know, winning and seeing them be successful, all the hard work they've done. We get excited about like great people. Right. When there's like a young candidate, we're like, oh, my God, I hope, I hope they don't mess this interview up. Like they could be great. Like we genuinely get excited about that stuff. Um, and in some cases have fought over a person like, hey, no, please. I met them first. You know, like um, talk a little bit about like that 20 year old young lady, a young man that's listening to this or, or watching this. And um, they're trying to figure out how to get into the game. They don't know if they want to be an agent. They don't even know what a COO does, but they know they love sport. They know they have a passion for it you know, what's the best advice you'd give that person? One thing I did that I didn't say in this is that when I was transitioning to figure out what I wanted to do, I ended up going to the Olympics. I had one last like project for another one of my jobs and you hear all these people's names and you always like, well, what do they actually do? So I had known someone and I met like all these amazing names and I, that I always heard in my head, great agents, great marketing managers, all, and I found ways to like, and it was easy because I was at the Olympics and it was a smaller circle, but I actually met those people and talked to them and asked them questions and kind of really understood what they did to then kind of define what I think I can do. Obviously, that's not available to everyone, but I think the actual conversations you have with people in every level of the job is important. Like I think some people, like even in our job, like people always say, I need to speak to Rich. Rich's story is so unique that to, and if you want to be a basketball agent, Rich can't really help you learn how to be a basketball agent. That's a knowledge of basketball, the connections to athletes. Like that's a really hard job say I want to learn how to be. But I do always say like, talk to Randy, talk to Maverick, talk to myself, to you, to all these people that seemingly are around the job that I think everyone thinks they want, but maybe that's not the job mm -hmm. you think it is. And I also have this 
I'm going to put this as a disclaimer for everyone. Persistence is not like a thing that makes people get a job. Emailing someone every day, <laughs> texting someone every day, calling them. Like, I don't know where and what planet that happened when someone's like, I'm going to email. This is my 22nd time emailing you. That does not create opportunity. <laughs> it might get you arrested is what I yeah, might get. Like sometimes like someone will be like, what should we do? I'm like, I'm just going to let them continue emailing. And I promise if you email Clutch, we read it. And I always say, I'm not responding to an email that didn't have the time to send the email. Like if you spell something wrong, we're deleting that email. If your resume says attached and it's not attached, we're deleting the email. Like all the little steps are just as important as the big stuff. People will not believe me. So I will ask you the question. Has prospective employees or candidates emailed you or sent you resumes with your name misspelled? Oh, I mean, my name is never, like my name's always misspelled. People call Rich Paul, Paul Rich all the time, which I just think is hilarious. Or are, are clutches spelled wrong? Or like, there's so many things, but I always think like, I don't say like, oh, they, but the fact they didn't take the time to look at it is the part that, or like they won't sign off an email. Like your first email is the first introduction. And I also will say this when, when for young people looking for a job, the first job to me is not clutch sports group. And I said that like, I really think you have to bring something to an agency. And I think the starting point is like maybe even a travel agency because by the way, half of the jobs that every single person at Clutch is managing travel for clients. Like, I think that that's like the, the equal level opportunity that first thing that anyone does is travel. So like mm -hmm. even the smallest things, then once you have that on your resume, it's like, what is the next step to really create a conversation and not just say, I love sports. I want to be an agent. How do I get a job at Clutch? Because those don't lead to a reason to get a job. Right. So I, yeah, I'm always like, I... I mean, and I'll talk to anybody when someone asks me actual questions. I will give an example of a really interesting <laughs> one. Yes, yes. I was at a college basketball game, which, me, what, aside to that, I was also sitting. I don't think they had a seat for me, so they put me right behind. I was in the middle of the marching band, so I actually <laughs> could not hear anything or see anything. And everybody just was laughing at me the entire time because I just had, like, trumpets at my ear and had no idea what was going on. I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to be doing. I just, I think I wasn't even supposed to be on this, but I got like, I don't remember why I was there. So a young man who was really nice came up to me and said, are you fired? Do you work at Clutch? It's like, yes. He's like, I've been, I'm managing the basketball team. I have this amazing resume. I worked at JP Morgan last year. I was like, oh wow, like here's my card. For sure, email me tomorrow. Can we guess the next thing he did? I'm afraid to. He handed me his phone and asked for me to take a picture with the client that I was with. Oh, and I was so bummed. Listen, and let me let me let me say this to let me let me do anyone a favor that's listening or watching this. If you want to shoot yourself in the foot, if you want to if you want to flush any opportunity you have with Clutch or Farrah specifically down the <laughs> toilet is ask talent to take a picture, post something you shouldn't post. It doesn't matter what your resume looks like. I will That's say two things on that. One, my new thing starting in 2020 is you can, if I'm standing next to someone you want me to take a photo, say, do you mind taking this photo? Sure. Most cases, if the client wants, I will. If you hand me your phone as if I'm a photographer <laughs> for your photo taking, I, I, I think I'm going to just drop the, I'm not sure what my action will be if drop the phone or give it back to you or just politely decline. But it just, you know, it's like that fifth wall in acting. Like you just ruin it by now. How can I hire someone that I don't know if I could trust them being somewhere? What if they're going to ask whomever the clients was for a photo? And I think that's like the most cardinal rule. And I respect the excitement of meeting an athlete and how exciting it is. We all work hard to create that excitement, but to be on the other side, you just can't have that. And, and you, he emailed I me and I, did, and I did tell him that and he apologized, <laughs> but it was, it was like, I was like, this guy's going to be a great, I can't wait for this resume to come in. And I just like, there's no chop. I can't have that. I can't stress this enough. How, how serious Farah is with this. Um, I remember there was a time, I think it was myself, Chelsea and Draymond happened to take a, a spin class in LA. And we finished the class and I'll, I'll just say a person, a person comes up to, 
Chelsea and kind of introduces herself or something. And, and, and Chelsea's like, oh, and she says, oh, I'm interviewing at Clutch or whatever. And, and that's where the conversation starts and ends. Nothing crazy. She was very respectful, very polite. Chelsea tells you, hey, I met such and such. And you were like, oh, God, please don't tell me she ruined it because I really like her. <laughs> I think she's got a real shot. Please. It <laughs> like, is. It I feel bad because I understand the power of networking, but there's always a time and a place. And I always like, I even get nervous when someone goes up to someone and be like, I know Farrah. I'm like, well, if they were enjoying their, you know, like there's, there are personal times for people, but I respect the hustle of it all. And I really do. But I do think that those are the, the little signs of things that like when we're hiring these really special positions, it's like, oh, well that happened. Or, you know, that wasn't so respectful or even like, you know, we're all like when you're hiring young people and like it's hard because we work with really young athletes so it's like okay you're a similar age but there is a very defined line of you're an employee and this is an athlete and that gets crossed a lot in sports and i and for me and for clutch it's like a super important role that like we all have to remember that we're employees i i used to joke that i used to hate when like the client would order a fancy drink and then the person next to him would. I'm like, no, you ordered what you would normally order, not because you're sitting there next to someone that you can order it. 1942 is not for everybody. Yeah, no, 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 no. We, there's levels to this thing. Yeah, and I, but those are the small things that like are so important to me. And I think that's, again, why Rich and I are so different. Rich is so big picture and he sees things that I would never see. I'm, which I assume if he was speaking, he would say he saw this whole vision where me, I'm like, okay, well, that didn't happen and this small thing and I have to do this. And, you know, the little details are just so important to me in every aspect. I always text our employees, like the little wins, like if something small happens or they like someone's birthday and they got them exactly what they wanted or like when something sells out and we're able to get it for a client, like those little things are what excite me. And I'm pretty sure everyone knows, like I care about the, some people would say dumb, but the small things are what I love. So no better way to end this interview or this show than by asking you the most macro question ever, um, the most visionary question ever. Um, you've been doing this for a very long time, but you're still really, really young in your career. And you. you know, <laughs> God, God willing, we'll be doing this if we so choose in some capacity for 50 more years. Um, what do you want to be remembered as professionally, right? When it's all said and done, and you know, in 40 years from now, they're saying, oh, you remember Farah from Clutch. What do you, what would you like your legacy to be in this space? Because whether you realize it or not, you are a pioneer, you know, for women in this space and just for women in general in terms of just, you know, growing their, their careers professionally in the right way. Well, one thing I'll say on the women in sports thing is I really, and I was actually talking to Randy about this the other day, is like, I feel that I don't want to be on like the top women of sports list or a women's this, yeah. list. I really want to be like, oh, this is an executive sports. There should be no difference from me and a male running an agency as well. And I do have the power to do that by hiring more women and making that a priority because the more women there are in sports, the less that will happen. So I do own that and want that to be something I stand on. I also say this, that I, as I've mentioned, just get excited about, you know, helping the lives of athletes because you know, we all get to see them perform on court, but it's the things that I get excited about. I say Rich can count trophies and championships. I'll count like weddings that I go to, babies that I hold and moments that I've just been happy to be a part of and been allowed to be a part of. And I think that those successes when like you actually like feel like family and it's not just a job anymore are things that I'll endlessly be proud of. John, you know, with John Wall, I'm going to probably say this, but his mom, like when his mom passed away and just like being a part of it and having these stories with his mom, like it made me like, it's a, it's an award or an idea that you never thought you were going to have in work that like you get to meet and be around people. So I think that the more successes we can have in those relationships, the prouder I am at my job. Cause it's not just about, and I, we, Rich and I always say like the word agent Maverick always talks about <laughs> this word. But like, it, it's a transactional word that does not describe who we are or what we do. And people sometimes call me an agent. I would never describe myself as an agent. So I think those moments that like, we actually show that we're not that and that it's so much more are what I'm proud of most and continue to be. And like I said, the moments like being at the drafts and I hate, I actually hate being at drafts because they're so stressful, but those moments where you get to be at these vulnerable places with people that are so unique are just so important. and 
I hope that when someone talks about me, it's those moments less than like they got their suit ready for the draft perfectly done or that the championship <laughs> party went well and the things that we kind of work on in sports are that obviously that they have the best contracts and things like that. Those are our tent poles that we stand on. But I hope that when they talk about me, it's more that the successes in their families and personal lives as well. It's been dope, man. It's been dope to see. And, and you know, like you said, you know, bronze Braun and he is a unicorn and, you know, the excite, the most excitement I get, obviously just seeing your guys, our guys do like really well, right? Cause you see how you see all the hard work that goes into it. And just, I want all my friends to do well. My friend that works at Foot Locker, I want him to do well and have a great month, you know, like, so I want all our guys to do well, just as friends. Um, and the thing that it's funny and refreshing to me, and, and I think I can't remember if it was you or Rich that said this, you're like, every year we get older and every year, the next client is either younger or he's 18 again, or he's 20 again, you know, it's like- they It's get crazy. Younger. I, uh, I, I don't even know like the language, the music, like I used to try to compete and say like, <laughs> me saying the word bet is still one of the funniest things you can hear me say. But like, I try to like type it with a straight face and, it, and now that's not even, I don't even know if that's used anymore. I cannot, I don't try. That's actually the beauty of me getting older in this and I don't have to try to do that job anymore, but. I mean, younger and just, and not only clients, their parents are younger, like yeah, I'm yeah. older than the parents. And yeah, it's, that it's, is but, definitely a challenge. But it's been exciting. I don't know if I even told you this and we'll wrap up. I, um, I sent Darius, Darius Baisley, who, you know, is one of my favorite, you know, clutch clients in the world. The he's, he's amazing. Right. And, um, you know, he had a great season and had a great playoffs and, you know, really came out and everyone's super excited about like his upside and his future. I didn't send him one note all season. I sent him a note this week when I saw that the Fresh Prince's mansion's available. And oh. I'm like, hey, he was like, oh, snap. Thanks, P. Like, you know, so it's just a testament to like the family and the, and the environment and the culture we've all created, whether directly or indirectly with the guys and, and to me, that's the exciting piece to see what you're nurturing, what you're growing, and how you've been able to scale that. So I want to thank you. I know you're super, super, super busy. Um, hey, this I know, is the longest I haven't checked my phone in like the history hey, of my life. <laughs> I know. And, and I want to thank you. I know, like I said at the, at the top, you normally don't do these things. So I really appreciate the trust and appreciate you doing it. And, and honestly, you know, the, 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 the major, um, our, our largest base of people that, you know, spend time with this podcast are people that are trying to you know, get on, figure out their careers, be entrepreneurial. So it's going to be so much takeaway, male and female from this. I thank you for the time. Farrah left, appreciate you. And uh, I hope you. To you can have a drink or some shit when this I, is all over. I all mean, right. I barely leave this room at this point, but hopefully <laughs> soon, one day. Uh, Farrah, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.